it would be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Ford the Hamlet. My name's Ben Sibley. On the 30th of June, the Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust Board come together for their annual AGM. It's been a hugely successful year for the board and the trust. So we thought it might be a good idea just to give a bit of insight into what they do, who's involved and what their main aims and goals are. Okay, so it's six days before the Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust AGM. I'm here with four members from the trust. If you'd like to introduce yourselves. I'm James Massini, the acting chairman of the Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust. I'm Jack Bagnell, community liaison. Duncan Hart, uh, spokesperson. And Fiona Skurlock, um, heading the fan ownership subcommittee. Perfect. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Good to be here. So there will be some of our listeners who aren't aware of Dutch Hamlet Supporters Trust or what the what the history behind it is. So James, would you like to give us a bit of background or history? Yeah, um, the trust was formed in 2003 um, as an independent fan-led group. Um, obviously, Dutch has been a club that's had a fair period of upheaval and turmoil in the past, um, and the Sports Trust was really set up to ensure that the future of the club was uh, was going to be okay and in the hands of the fans and um, to provide a, as I said, a democratic independent voice so that our supporters could you know, let their, let their voice be heard really um, and we're obviously a slightly different group now you know, since Hadley have come in things have started to stabilise a little bit um, but we're now obviously working on, on far more exciting things in terms of taking the club towards full fan ownership um, and you know, obviously, our great work that we've done in the community, especially in the past twelve months. And your last AGM, can you remember what the main priorities were from that for the for the year ahead? Um, yeah, I mean, our priorities have always been largely centred around um, delivering a uh, you know a transparent, well-run football club at the at the, at the heart of it. Um, making sure that we're engaging with our members, um, securing a long-term future for the for the football club in East Dulwich, which is obviously paramount, especially at the moment. Um, and, yeah, around fan ownership as well, making sure that we are a, a fan and community-owned football football club in the, local, uh, in the local community. And, Jack, from your position as community liaison, how's the past year or so been for you, from your point of view? It's been fantastic. There's been a, a lot of... Um, Joint initiatives between the trust and the football committee and the football club itself, which has been, which has been really positive. Um, Outline a couple of big ones. Um, so we've we, we've we've had stuff around International Women's Day where we've had um, free tickets for for female football teams, um, and we invited some very well well known female bloggers down for a game. Um, we had the uh, we were involved in the Stonewall the Stonewall game the anti homophobia game along with the football committee and organising that and promoting it um, and also around mental health awareness week and the friendly we had with Peckham Town um, where it was raising money for for Coulton Arts so we've been involved in all of those projects and there's also been a lot of work around trying to increase the fan base so we've um, we we signed up loads of people at Lambeth County Show last year and used that as a basis for trying to get people's contact details and let them find out a bit more about their local club so we've sent out free tickets so that people have been able to come and give it a try um, and we've been to, to quite a few sort of we've had Goose Green Fair recently where 
we've invited some people down again who who have not been to games. So I think really the increase in attendances and the work we've done around that has been you know one of the the, the big achievements. And it's been a lot of work, but certainly I think it's been reflected in the the response we've been getting from mainstream media and also um, just a large amount of people attending games now. I think the work of the trust in drumming up attention in in the club has been you know one of the central reasons behind the success of the of the of the club on the terraces this season you know it's the first time you know in a long time the average attendance has been over 1000 um and you know we've, we've you know we've used contacts duncan's you know a, a man who knows a few people um and that's really helped get people along from you know from mainstream media and you know as soon as you're in a few publications then you know more get interested i think there's some bizarre article coming out in monaco at some point which is you know shows how you know how how high it's got um, you know, we'll wait and see what the content is on that. But it's you know, it's nice to be, it's nice to be be seen in the public domain. You know, it's it, it's a massive change from twelve months ago when when we were at Lambeth, as Jack was saying, we we you know we were drumming up attention and people were saying, you know, do you play in a wrecked off park? You know, are you? Are can you I play? Yeah, can I play? Or oh yeah, I used to play for Dulwich Hamlet, Hamlets. Um, you know all of this, um, the, you know, in stark contrast with Goose Green last month, where people were saying, "What's happening with the playoff? Uh, is Gavin wow. go, is Gavin going to stick around?" It was it was so heartwarming to mm. see, and you know that's credit to you know not not just ourselves and the trust, but yeah, the football committee and indeed Hadley as well to to a certain extent. But you know, I think we've we've all worked really hard to to really push the club forward and get us get you know into the into the local consciousness, and that's really going well. And we, I mean, we've tried to reach out to the local um, kids in the community with Football Beyond Borders. Um, I think it's, well, certainly when I go to away games, I notice that the, uh, you know, the average age of our fan base is much younger than other non-league clubs. And that's really important for the lifeblood of the support. Yeah, yeah, and the club to get, um, you know, the Football Beyond Borders kids loved it. And, you know, we'll come back a couple of times since then and, you know, we'll come, come under their own steam and spread the word. That was a really important partnership to develop, I think. Um, they, they approached us at the, at the turn of the year, um, based in Camberwell. Um, they used to, and I still do, a lot of work overseas in terms of using football as a, uh, a means for peace in Brazil and in the inner cities, but in the, uh, in the, the big cities there and in, uh, in Israel as well, Israel-Palestine uh, conflict, they use football to resolve, uh, try and resolve issues there, you know, at, least in lo- at least in the local sense. I think after the London riot, so they say, then um, they made a, a conscious decision, but actually we've got big issues right on our doorstep here in Camberwell where the NGL is based. So they, they set up this um, uh, more of a, a focus in, on the local, local area. And clearly this kind of, kind of just really kind of rings bells with us as well in terms of our aims and reaching out to the community and uh, Aspire's aims and helping disadvantaged kids and giving an opportunity on the football pitch and trust and uh, supporters' aims in terms of bringing more onto the ground. So it was just like a, a really good trinity of um, involving the football club, us getting involved, football beyond borders, and it's, we've just kind of we all kind of spin off each other nicely in terms of um, pushing each other's objectives. And the, the kids they brought down to the games just absolutely loved it. You know, they come yeah. thinking, well, what's this about? This is not like Premiership or Premier League. And, and then uh, uh, they go away being literally being Dutch Hamlet fans and coming yeah. back and wanting more and telling their friends. 
and that it's that kind of domino effect that's like really worked for um, uh, us. I think. Yeah, I think. Given the the big progress that the trust has made over the past twelve months, do you feel it's a particularly good and important time to join the trust? Absolutely. This is an absolutely crucial time for Dutch Hamlet Football Club. Um, with the ground issues kicking around still, obviously Hadley have done a lot of good, but they are property developers and they've made you know, no no excuses of the fact that their primary aim is to build some houses somewhere in the in the area of Champion Hill. We need to make sure we've got a secure future, whether that's on the current pitch or at Greendale's. Um, that's absolutely paramount and the only way we can make sure that Dulwich Hamlet remain in the area is if the supporters are in unity in, in Charon for the best possible solution for that club what that solution is we'll wait and see until the plans are, plans are revealed but at the moment we're, um, we, we just need to get everybody on board and make sure everybody is aware and engaged at what's what's happening for the club because it's a really exciting time and it could be it could be brilliant but let's not beat around the bush it, it could be a really challenging time for us and especially with fan ownership as well which is going to be a you know massive opportunity you know we're very lucky to be in the situation we're in where fan ownership is is almost being offered by the owners it's not you know a, a sort of phoenix club situation which you know it looked like it might be for a while um so this is a this is a really exciting opportunity. It's almost unique, um, and yeah, it's the best possible time to to get involved, um, to you know see what we what we do. Come along to our AGM and you know ask us some questions and, and see if you know see if it's some an organisation that you can get behind and uh, and hopefully join when we have our big membership drive in January. Obviously, of course, join if you're going to come to the AGM. Well, as, as a prerequisite, obviously, yeah, join on the door. <laughs> yeah. Have some forms. Yeah, you can join on the night. It's only a tenner. Yeah. Yeah. £2 for under 18s, isn't it? Absolutely. Under yeah. 16s. Yeah. And from a fan ownership point of view, Fiona, how do you feel the last 12 months or so has gone? Well, um, it's been very, very busy. Hadley, in I think the first meeting uh, when they took over, they stood up and said um, that they envisaged that there would always be football at Champion Hill and that um, eventually they'd like to see us as a fan-owned club and they weren't interested in running a football club long-term. Um, a lot of people were quite rightly quite sceptical of that position. But particularly since I've uh, sort of come on, I can only say from when I came on the board in September, um, there's a lot of research, a lot of liaison with supporters direct um, personnel from other fan-owned clubs uh, to try and work out uh, what model we want for fan ownership and how we're going to achieve that. As James said, um, this is kind of a unique situation in that you know we are. It, it will be a managed takeover. Um, hopefully, when it happens, um, another key aspect of the fan ownership is in April Hadley made a public statement saying that that was their intention and that they would give the club to the fans or a proportion of the ownership um, in due course if their planning application is successful. Obviously, that's something we have no absolutely no control over. Um, but uh, it, it does give us um, some sort of uh, heft with the council to say, you know, this is uh, not a situation where we're fighting about ownership. Um, Hadley want to give it to us 
and um, you know the the council we want behind that position really uh, it's not entirely clear what the council's final position is at the moment um, but yeah that was an important statement by Hadley I think um, the trust position is still that we want 100% fan ownership um, and that is simply purely and simply to um, protect the long term future, protect the ground make sure that no one else again can use the land which is obviously incredibly valuable it being in you know south east London um, nobody can use the, the land for commercial gain you know we want it to be used as a football club on Champion Hill as it has been for the last you know hundred odd years so that's that's the trust position on fan ownership obviously we're part way through the the process um our preferred model is a community business structure um which basically means it's 100% fan owned one member one vote the fan owned club can issue shares but no matter if you own 10 pounds worth or 20,000 pounds worth or 100,000 pounds worth you have one vote and so nobody can stage uh, kind of takeover of the holdings and the assets. Uh, that's basically, in a nutshell, what 100% fan ownership means, and that's what that's what the trust's objectives have always been, really. Um, and in our view, that secures the long-term future for the club. I think the last time we spoke to you was maybe a couple of days before an evening at Champion Hill, which was focusing on fan ownership, where you invited quite a few individuals from fan and clubs across the country how did that go well um i was very pleased actually we had a really good turnout uh in fact all the uh representatives from other clubs um wimbledon portsmouth enfield and fisher were all impressed by the number of people that that actually turned up um you know the nigel from uh wimbledon said that even when they'd had a, a kind of crisis meeting i.e the, the club was had to rise from the ashes um, they, they had far fewer people so he was really impressed um, and the, you know they were all impressed with the level of um, commitment and support from the fans so that was the first thing that was incredibly pleasing and you know we had a, a full debate it, it was very much opening the uh, question throwing it out to the fans and um, James Mathy from Supporters Direct came along and gave a, a sort of overview of the the sort of structure and the machinations you have to go through to get there um, which is quite complicated you know it's, it's not it's it's running a, a small business and uh, it's effectively a sort of uh, a start-up or a you know takeover uh, or a you know, like a merger, it, it, you know, it does include quite a lot of commercially technical stuff, which, you know, I've had to try and get to get grips with this year. But, um, yeah, come along to the AGM and, you know, I'll be giving a report on the fan ownership aspect and I can answer, or we all can answer any questions that, that 
you've got about it. If you want to see the uh, the rerun of that January meeting, it's still available on YouTube. The full two hours unedited version, thanks to Steve Carver, which is a fascinating watch. I've watched it three or four times myself. Mm-hmm. In the quieter moments. Or in the row. What? No, it's not true. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, and uh, if you go back to our articles in January, you'll see the link to it. So if you missed the event in January, it's still there if you want to uh, flip through the, uh, the good bits. There are some. And so just, to, just to pack what Fiona was saying a bit more about Sports Direct, they've been, their support's been invaluable um, throughout this process, and James has been. Um, just a great resource to be able to tap into. You know, he always responds to emails when, whenever, we, whenever we've got issues. Obviously, um, our secretary Mark has a, you know, it's our basically our main contact with him, and you know, we quite often have to dip there, dip into him as a resource. And um, you know, he's come along to our board meetings in the past. And one of the things he noticed was um, the fact that as a board, you know, we we do know what we're talking about. You know, he said we're very well organised. We're you know, we're doing things the right way. We've got a good range of experience, and you're saying he goes to, you know, some clubs, and it's a lot more chaotic. Um, so we are, you know, we're, we're clearly doing something right. And yeah, I thought the fan ownership evening was a, you know, it was a real success. It was, I, I'll be honest, it was busier than I thought it was going to be. Um, and yeah, it's really heartwarming to see so many people really engaged in the process already. And just, just to add, um, we've currently got a document with supporters direct, which um, outlines our initial thinking on. Uh, what a supporters own Dulwich Hamlet football club could look like in terms of the vision for the club which is important to have right at the top what, what's the vision for the fans the fan owned club should be for the club uh, and then you know onto, onto the governance arrangements in terms of how the um, the club would be run uh, down to the, kind of the committee level and our initial you know potential objectives for the um, kind of the first couple of years of how a fan owned club would, would, would be at Dulwich it doesn't go into the details of the, of the business plan it's a bit too early at the moment that we're still working with Hadley in terms of the, the full details um, uh, A on what the, um, the financial kind of um, situation is at the club at the moment uh, it wouldn't necessarily be um, the same when we take it over but it gives you a kind of an idea on terms of uh, uh, income and outgoings in terms of making a plan for ourselves uh, and secondly um, the, the major issue as well is the, the leisure facility hopefully um, if all goes to plan for Hadley and uh, the fans support it then we'll have a new uh, uh, a ground um, uh, for the club to play in uh, which would have a 3G pitch which would be an income generation for the club because it would be able to rent it out at certain times um, and you know, other facilities with it as well uh, so we need to work out exactly how that's going to fit into the overall picture as well uh, and how that will fit within the, uh, the club because it may well be kind of a slightly separate uh, business on the side but of course within the bigger picture of the club but those details are all going to be worked out yet and it's, it's, we're still in the early stages of that but that will all be a big focus for us in the, in, in the coming year and uh, the document I mentioned which outlines these kind of information hopefully we'll have it uh, in time for something to share at the AGM um, kind of relies a bit on Supporters Direct which are a very busy organisation they've got lots of other clubs to, uh, to work with um, in terms of advising them um, and just to be clear it is a draft um, we, there's still a long way to go in terms of um, taking over the club the most important thing is that it's, it's owned by the fans we want that vision to be our vision not just the Supporters Trust board vision Absolutely, I think it's more than just a draft it's an ever evolving document you know, it's, it's, it's going to be you know, with every twist and turn that we go through that document's going to change it's, you know, we, we do view it as you know, it's never going to be a static document until almost 
the last possible moment. And even then, you know, we have to consider what it is. It's you know, it's a really, it's a really good document. It'll be a really good read. Well, this week we have been asking some questions um, for us to put to <coughs> the supporters' trust from our listeners and Dulwich Hamlet fans. Someone did ask whether or not there are plans to one day have a Dulwich Hamlet women's football team. Is there a plan? Um, well, there's not a formal plan as yet. Obviously, we don't own the club and we're not the football committee. So, um, uh, certainly, personally, that would be on my agenda for a fan-owned club. Um, I think I think that's, you know, we, we seek to represent the whole community. There are a large proportion of women and girls that come to Dulwich Hamlet. And I think without a women's or and or a girls team we're just we're not um representing our fan base really and um i think that's important especially if we are a fan-owned community club we've got to represent you know a hundred percent of uh you know the genders uh, in the in the community um so yeah that's that's definitely on my personal agenda and i think most of the trust board I think most people, most people you know. agree. It's a question that we give that gets raised that when we when we do go out into the community. We were at obviously the Freshers' Fair in um, at the Amersham Arms at the start of the uh, start of the, the the term. There we were we were at Lambeth again. We were at Goose Green a few uh, few weeks ago, and you quite often get asked, "Can I play?" or "Can my little girl play?" or you know, and those are those are sort of questions that we should be able to say yes. confidently, yes, or. You know, when she's older, there is a formal structure for that. You know, at a youth at youth level, um, the work that Peter Adeni does with Dulwich Hamlet in the community is obviously there's a lot of mixed teams there. Um, the Dulwich Hamlet supporters team is a mixed team. We've had girls play for us as well, um, but it's just about getting that formal that formalised girls team in place. Yeah, it's, it's the administ- I think it's the administration that, that sort of formally causes the problem with it. It's you know, getting physios and everything else there. Yeah, it's, a, it's an investment. It's a, isn't but it? yeah, it's an investment. That, but it's an investment that I mean, really it costs should, money. Yeah, but it should know. be made. Yes, we're exactly. In, I think we're, exactly. we're we're of a size now where you could definitely make a yeah. really strong argument for that. That you know, we should have it. You only look a couple of levels up, and yeah, it's the norm. It's twenty-five yes. games. Well, Lewis, Lewis have got a well, women's yeah, team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a good point. Yeah. In our division, um, and that's as you say, it's the norm now, yeah. and. Uh, you know, certainly, um, Peter's football in the com- in the community with the kids. Uh, I've had several of my friends say to me, "Oh, my little girl has played there, can't play beyond ten or eleven, You know, and and that's a real shame. So then, you know, they they don't play football anymore. And you know, we want to encourage more women into the game. So, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly up there on our list of things to do and we touched earlier on Hadley's we do have a question from a fan who and this probably is on the mind of quite a few newer fans who aren't aware of the relationship between the club and Hadley's Um, he's asked why is there so much apparent faith in Hadley's and them doing what they say they'll do concerning um, ownership passing to the supporters and he's made the point that I think he's a fan of a, a club who's gone through quite a difficult time years ago um, he's highlighted that a lot of non-league clubs have been uh, lied to or been misled by uh, property developers. So why is there such a 
cynic. Who so, is this person? Is it an anonymous question? There is, there is good faith in Hadley, isn't there? I suppose, do you want to unpack why that is? I mean, I think you look at where the club was a couple of years ago, and at the stage when I was just coming onto the trust, there was a very fractious relationship between the trust and the ownership of the club at the time with Nick McCormack. Um, it was getting to the stage where members of the, of the trust board were being basically frog-marched into the boardroom and told to hand over £20,000 to pay electricity bills, um, which, you know, thankfully we were strong enough to resist. Um, from that position, we're now in a position where, where Hadley's have come in. They've spent a lot of money turning things around. I think we owe it to them to at least give them a chance to prove their, prove their worth. Um, there's, not, there's no blind faith. Um, as I said at the start, they are property developers. We know what their number one aim is. Um, but we also have to acknowledge that they've put a lot of money and a lot of time into the club, which they didn't have to do. Um, so they, they seem to be proceeding about things in a reasonably professional way at the moment, uh, a very professional way at the moment. And, um, we, you know, we, we're, we're, we're happy with that. I think it helps that we are such a large and such a, mo- you know, well-mobilised support. You know, we're going into this with our eyes wide open. We, we know that there are, there are risks associated. Um, but so far, they've been, they've been nothing but good for us. Um, and we have to, you know, repay that, the faith that they've shown in us in offering to hand over the club at this stage with, you know, with, with, with our help. And they've, you know, they've helped with, with the initiatives, you know, as I said at the, earlier in terms of the free, free tickets that we've been giving out, that's, you know, that's in their gift to do that. They didn't have to do that. They could have effectively closed the club down when they bought, the, bought this and would have been, would have been a right or mess. Um, but they haven't. Um, but we're, you know, we're we're sort of cautiously optimistic that they they will sort of be in the right path. I mean, the other thing to say is, um, you know, we we have set an agenda for, you know, Hadley announced their plans, and we, uh, I think it was in our December statement, put forward the the sort of three uh, legs, if you like, of uh, how we saw their plans developing, i.e. We wanted uh, a ground that met with um, our approval in terms of the standard it was at, um, what it provided, and the sort of match day experience it, it, it could provide. Um, the uh, lease issues um, uh, and the development at, at Greendale's. Um, we wanted certain assurances that we weren't going to get a very short lease. Um, and the fan ownership issue, um, you know. So we have we have set the agenda with them, and a lot of um, the issues have been, uh, you know, sort of discussed with us in a meaningful way by Hadley, you know. And yeah. and we've we've had some good success, I think, Absolutely. of getting um, what we want. I mean, we we obviously balloted our members um, back in September. Um, well, we did a consultation. Uh, yeah, sorry, we did a yeah. consultation. Uh, we survey our members um, uh, earlier in the year to see, you know, when Hadley went out for their first round of con- consultation on the on the plans to see, you know, what do our fans and what do our members want from a from a club, and we've used that in a positive way to have a dialogue with 
with Hadley and their architects and their planning team to make some really positive changes you know in terms of you know, the one that instantly strikes to mind is adding covers behind the goals for any any new stand which weren't on the original plans but we've you know fought hard that that was something that our our fans wanted um and we're you know last last set plans that we saw as a supporters trust they were on there um we've been very much helped by um a contact that supporters direct as well um uh, an architect group there to advise us on uh, an independent group to advise us because I've clearly we have lots of uh, expertise on planning issues but on football design itself and it's been really helpful to bring in some independent advice and on how the ground kind of fits together and how it matches up against uh, uh, regulations um, for what's now the National League whatever it's called now the conference, conference or yeah. step one anyway um, so we can at least uh, be, be confident that um, if Dulwich does continue up the leagues that it's um, any ground we have is suitable for uh, step one and uh, room for expansion to League Two in, in some people's dreamland. Now, just before that chat, we checked the Ford the Hamlet microphone to see how much memory we had left. It told us that we had about an hour and 45 minutes worth left. Turns out we had about half an hour, which is why that chat was cut short. So we did have a couple more questions. Very sorry we didn't get to ask them. Lesson learnt, won't happen again. There's a couple of bits of news from around the club recently that I suppose we should go through, mainly the transfer news. If you haven't been keeping up to date, there's been quite a few comings and goings. Going out, Terrell Forbes has left the club and joined Hemel Hempstead. Luke Wanadio has gone to Staines Town. Kashani Samuels has gone to Merstham. Javi Vidal is probably the biggest move, has gone to Welling United. And Michael Kamara has gone to Hampton and Richmond Borough. Coming in, a couple of really exciting players actually. First off, we have Mitchell Nelson, who's coming from Margate. We didn't play a game last season because he suffered a terrible injury uh, last summer. He comes with a good reputation now. He can play right-back or centre-back. Jacob Erskine comes in from Maidenhead United. He's primarily a striker. He can play centre-back. Danny Waldron, who was both vice-captain and captain at various points for Bromley last season as they won the Conference South title... He's come in. That's a huge signing for Dulwich. He's a left-footed centre midfielder. Scores goals. He scored 10-plus goals in each of his last six seasons. And he captained Croydon Athletic at the age of 18 before he joined Bromley. And the most recent signing who's come into the club is Charlie Penny. He's a striker from Welling United. So he's dropped down from the conference. He spent a brief spell on loan at Kingstonian last season. And he also scored the goal that got Wealdstone promoted the other season away at Margate. Comes with a good pedigree. Goal poacher, something a bit different to what we have at the moment with Harry Ottaway. So it'd be great to see Charlie on the pitch. And we're really excited about seeing Danny Waldron as well. Can't be underestimated. That is a big coup for the club. He seems to be a leader. He's 26 years old. And uh, he wasn't prepared to play a bit part for Bromley and go up and down the country in the conference. You go to places as far away as Gateshead. So I think Dulwich being a bit of a local club means that it was kind of a big pull for him. And I think he's excited to lead the team and take on a big role this season. Also, recently, Fraser Shaw, Dulwich Hamlet left-back, was capped by England C. He was the first player to play for any England team since the 1960s. I can't remember exactly who that is but congratulations to Fraser Shaw and there are rumours that he might well be moving to a league side before the beginning of next season. Don't forget to come to the Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust board 
AGM on the 30th of June. It's at the clubhouse. I think it's from about 7 o'clock. Make sure you check the Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust website, though, for full details. Come along. They'll have the results of the elections. Uh, I think there are 11 candidates going for seven positions on the board this year, so you'll get to find out who was successful and who wasn't. And we do urge you to come along. Uh, James Massini said earlier that it's a great opportunity to find out more about the Trust Board and about what the Trust do. So if you want to get involved or you want to find out more, it's a fantastic opportunity to do come along. We'll be there. Our next episode in a couple of weeks, we're really excited. We're talking to an ex-Dulwich player who's just enjoyed his first season of professional football in England. He's coming all the way down from Peterborough to speak to us. That probably gives it away if you hadn't guessed already. So that'll go out in a couple of weeks. Really excited to speak to him, so keep your ears open. Don't forget to get involved with us online. Our Twitter is at Ford Hamlet. Facebook is Ford the Hamlet. And our website is fordthehamlet.com, where you can find all of our past episodes, blog posts. Um, you'll find a link to our shop where we've got loads of uh, t-shirts on the Spreadshirt. So do get involved. Ford the Hamlet is part of the Hold Fast Network. Visit holdfastnetwork.com for more quality podcasts.